So I, I read this week, and I want to show you, uh, 80% of people quietly despise their lives. This is a blog that was uh, a weekly blog, and, and this is the weekly blog for Stephen Spaulding who wrote this, and then he goes on to say, this isn't a statistic. It's a casual observation based on talking to, in, to, talking to way more people about their careers than any normal person should. I'm convinced that most people dislike their lives, not in any robust way, but with the kind of casual contempt that can be easily ignored by society that prizes movement and action above just about everything else. They dislike their jobs, they dislike their boss, they dislike the things they must do in order to make the living that will allow them to continue disliking their life. They don't yell and scream and complain about it. In fact, they shuffle their way through it peacefully enough and teach their children that life is hard and painful and that they should appreciate any ounce of goodness that the universe deems them worthy of. 80% of people quietly despise their lives. Do you like your life? Because if you're dealing with the fact that there's parts of your life or maybe your entire life that you're not real happy with, then let me give you a truth that I hope will set you free this morning. The system you have now is perfectly designed to achieve the results you are currently getting. So what we're doing right now, this system, is creating what we are getting. We'll continue to get that as long as we have the system. So if we need to change our results, we need to change our system. And we've been telling you that the decisions you're going to make this week, that I'm going to make this week, are based on presets. Those systems that we have put into our lives already that bring us to the decisions that we make, giving us the results that at times will not make us happy. So how do you change that? A few weeks ago, Pam and I ordered Chinese food delivered from the Golden Walk. And so they showed up and they brought our stuff and it was really good and we got all the way through the food and we got to that, the most important point of a China, or time of a Chinese meal is at the end when you do what? Fortune cookie. So Pam went first and she opened up her fortune cookie and these are, and I'm gonna tell you, these are actual fortune cookies that we had. In all matters of opinion, you always say it better. So she took it and flashed it in my face and said, I believe in fortune cookies. Look at this. <laughs> so then it was my turn. Now, before I show it to you, I want to tell you this was actually my fortune that day. This is the cookie, and here's what it said. Ignore previous cookie. <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> Don't tell me God's not with me. believe that <laughs> ignore previous cookie if I had to put a caption on what Paul the Apostle said in his blog to the Philippian church it is that ignore previous cookie because here's what he said even though we can list what might we might think are impressive credentials you know my pedigree a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting Christians, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law. What he's doing at this point is this is Paul's rendition of QuickBooks. 
He has that which is to his credit and that which is to his debit. So he says this, to my credit is, I have a great family tree. You can't top my heritage. It is so good. I have an elite education. It is the perfect thing for what I want to accomplish in life. I am part of a popular group. I am a Benjamite, and they are elite. They're wonderful. I am am a celebrity in my culture. They know me. And I am a leader in my profession. Everything that I've ever wanted, I've got, that I want for life, it is so good. And so my question for you is, what are those things that you, right now, say, if I could do these things, if I could have these things, if I could be this person, what would that be that would give you the life that you want? You say, well, as long as I can get that MBA, I'm in good shape. I'm just really happy about that. I'm really happy that I married this really handsome guy. Everybody else wanted him, but I got him. Booyah. (laughs) I am so happy that little Julie has made the traveling squad. And so I'm so proud of how she's doing. It's just great. I'm so happy that when I had my child, he was not an ugly baby. (laughs) Because you don't want an ugly baby. I just got put as VP in the HR department of my major corporation. I got that. Next thing will be president. I'm going to be director. I'm going to, I've got these things. What are those things to your credit that you need? So years ago when my son Dustin, our son Dustin was in middle school. I was coming home from a meeting and it was seven, eight o'clock at night and it was dark and and so I was driving in our neighborhood and I saw this gang of guys walking around and I realized it was a bunch of middle schoolers and my son was in the middle of them walking around about 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock at night in our neighborhood. So I pulled up and said, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. There's like seven of you and you're doing nothing? No, doing nothing. Dustin, what do you got behind your back? Nothing. Well, no, you have something behind your back. Nothing. Let me see what you got behind your back. So he holds out this bag. It's a paper bag. I said, what's in the paper bag? Nothing. Now, there's something in the paper bag. I said, nothing. I said, Dustin, is there dog poop in that bag? (laughs) Yeah. So I knew what he was going to do. He and his buddies were going to go to somebody's house. They're going to take this bag of dog poop and put it on their porch and light it. Then they're going to ring the doorbell. Then they hope that the person coming to the door sees it, panics, and begins to stomp it out. Now, no, we're not done yet. Then they go back to the back of the house, whether there's a door or a patio door. They knock or ring the bell, and that person, thinking they probably lit one back there, will run through the house with their feet full of dog poop. I said, give me that bag. 
you guys go back to where you belong? So now I've got a bag of dog poop. <laughs> what do you do with a bag of dog poop? Because it has no value. You're not going to say, here, honey, look what I brought you. <laughs> so listen to what Paul the Apostle says about this. The very credentials these people were waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Christ has messed me up. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant dog poop. That's what he said. The original is that that's manure. He said, I've counted this stuff as manure because here's what's happened. What has transpired at this moment, because this is what's going to happen to you. As you follow Jesus, you may just think you settled into a religion or you settled into a liturgical movement. No, no, no. You, you settled in with, with a personality that will turn your world upside down and right side up. And it's, he's going to tear you up. But that's what he's supposed to do because of this. So what happened is, what happens is that suddenly... Paul said, this was to my credit, has now become my debit. This thing has messed me up. And what I thought I had as credit, I no longer have. Why? Because what he's beginning to realize is this, that anything man-made can and most likely will disappoint us. So I had a conversation with a Christ follower this week. And he is disappointed. So I said, what, what's going on with you? And he said, well, here's the, here's the disappointment. I now for five, six, seven years have been talking to God and working through a physical issue I have in my life that they cannot determine really what it is. And I've been talking to God and asking God to take care of that physical issue or bring me to someone who could, could diagnose it and, and fix it. And nothing has happened. He said, in addition to that, he said, and he explained the story of, of falling in love with this, this, this young lady that he just really, he, he actually changed his life because he loved her so much, changed his life to pour into her, and that the moment that she was supposed to move up and, and live with him in the, in, in the same city, she shows up in that city, and he's just so excited because he has poured his life into her, and she meets him at a coffee shop and says, you know what, I can never love you like you love me, and she dumped him. And it ripped his heart out. And he said, so therefore, I'm not sure I understand this whole personal, intimate thing with Jesus. I said, well, let me ask you a couple questions. And, and, and I was so thankful that, that he was honest with me. And I could be honest with him. I said, do you think that because of the generation that you are raised in, that you feel entitled to certain things? That you, you feel entitled that, that because you exist, you deserve? And then I said, is it our fault as the community of faith that we have created within you this expectation that if you have a personal Savior, 
that he'll take care of all your personal problems. And if he doesn't take care of your personal problems, then he's probably not your personal savior. He said, exactly. See, we all believe at some time in our lives, maybe not now, but we all believe that there is a happy life for us. And so we create our systems and we are preset with what's going to get us to that place that we are happy in our life. And then it doesn't happen. And we become disappointed. And that word disappointment actually means to undo the appointment. So that I had an appointment to be happy and now it's been undone. I'm not getting there. And it's, it's because of those people there, they caused this. She broke my heart. It's her fault. Or that God did not come through because God was supposed to be this thing and I had prayed and I, and I gave the verses and I quoted them and I did all that stuff and he has not shown up where I thought he's going to show up and therefore I am so disappointed. I've mess, I missed my appointment with life. Or even this may even be worse. I did fulfill what I went after. I did get that experiment. I did have that achievement. And I got to that place and realized it was empty. It did not fill me in any way. And I've lost my appointment with happiness. Paul the Apostle gets that. He's got all that stuff. And in writing this blog, this letter, he now has lost all of that because he is in prison and a great possibility that he'll be executed. But he's not disappointed. In fact, he says, I didn't miss my appointment, but obviously what I'm in right now is my appointment. If you've been part of this community of faith for a while, you know that I've told you a story of my, my uncle who... All he wanted in life really was to, to be career Air Force, and so he did that. He's a tough guy. He was raised in, in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and, and what he did for fun was ride uh, or break horses, and, and, and then he would also hunt rattlesnakes and snap their necks. That, that's kind of the deal he did. He wasn't a florist. He was an Air Force fighter pilot. And so for him, that list included going up in the ranks so that, that first of all, he was a Korean War ace. And then, and then he was put on the cover of Time magazine during the Vietnam era, and he was the focus of, of representing those who were fighting in Vietnam. He's a lieutenant colonel moving up towards colonel pretty quick, and he has five young boys and a beautiful wife, and everything on his list is being met. But he said, I just, I just had this, this thing inside that said, I've reached this stuff, but, but there's, just, there's just this thing that, that makes me disappointed. I feel like I'm missing my appointment. And so he prayed, and he said, God, what is it that I'm missing, and what is it that I, I need to become that I'm not? Please do whatever you need to do to make that happen. And then he was shot down. And he said as he was floating down, after he ejected out of his plane, and he was floating down, 
and he could see the North Vietnamese running to the place that he would land in this rice paddy, and that they would either kill him there or make him a POW, which eventually, he be, at that moment, he became a POW. He said he looked up to the canopy of his parachute, and he said, okay, God, this is it. This is the deal. And for seven and a half years as a prisoner of war and half that, or most of that time being the commanding officer of the, those guys in the POW camp and for three years being in solitary confinement, not once, not once, not once did he ask God to release him from there because he knew at this moment God was resetting his life and this was his appointment. So Paul himself in prison says these words, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. See, when Jesus messes with our lives, and he does, one of the things that he's doing for us is that he is trying to safeguard us because we have a tendency to wrap our security around these things. And they will always disappoint us. So he's going to change our system. He's going to work on changing our presets so that we will not come to the place that we end this life going, I missed it all. So what do you do? What do you do when you get to one of these things and you've done it and you've arrived and you go, I missed it. It's just not there. I'm just empty. Or what if God just removes one of them? What do you do with that? Paul said, I want you to be joyful. Say, I don't want to be happy about this. No, he's not saying happy. Happy is based on happenings. Joy is based on something that is deep down inside. And and so as as a, a review of what I talked to you about regarding this several weeks back, let me just repeat some of this for us. Joy is a calm delight founded on grace and peace. So, so when someone says you need to be joyful, understand it's not, I've got to be happy in everything. No, it's, there's this grace and peace that is the foundation of who I am today. For Robbie in a prisoner of war camp and for Paul in his place in prison, he said, here I am, I've got this joy, there's this grace and peace. Grace is God's favor for the day so that no matter where you are, whether you're at work or you're in prison or you are on a cruise, wherever you are, at that moment, God said, I am there with my grace, which is my favor for today. That I'm going to take my enjoyment and pleasure of you and wrap it around your ability that you can function today exactly as you need to function in this place. So Robbie's in this cell, he's there, just, he's just been there for weeks, and they put him in a cell, and they put these loudspeaker systems up there, and they're blaring propaganda, and he can't sleep at night, and he, and he doesn't have a blanket, and it's cold, and, and everything's dusty, and he needs to get it swept out, and so he prays, and he says, God, I need a, I need a blanket, and I need a broom, and I need it for all, everybody here that needs that, and I need this music to stop, and the music stops. The propaganda stops. He can hear them shimmy up the pole and they start pounding on the PA system and never did it come back on while he was in that cell. And the next day they got him out and they handed him a broom and a blanket. So God says, no matter where you are, I'm giving you the ability to thrive in this moment. That is my grace and here's my peace. My peace is a contentment 
and a confidence. A confidence that in this place, I have something good for you. And a contentment knowing that it's the best because you're not losing anything. That this is your appointment. That God is always keeping that appointment. And that appointment is secure by God. And will safeguard you by peace and by grace. You say, but I feel like I'm losing so much. Well, understand what loss is. Loss is a crucial moment for reset, not regret. This is the optimum time to change your system to get better results. So I thought I had a pretty good system. Pam and I had made it through two kids in diapers. And when you get through that, you go, oh, thank you, God. I lived through this. At least to the terrible twos now, we can have to do it without diapers, so there we are. Thank you, we're getting through, and I can actually begin to measure how long they'll be in my house. <laughs> and, and, and I was in a job that I just loved the job. It was, just, it, was, it was the perfect job for me, and a perfect staff of people, and a perfect boss, and, and, and they loved what I was doing. I was full stride. I was, I was doing what I was born to do, and, and it was being effective, and it was just great. It was wonderful. And I, had, I have a beautiful wife, and, and I have these two kids, and it just was great. It was my list. It was so wonderful. And then Pam got the flu. Only it wasn't the flu. It was a Dustin. And so now we've got another kid on the way. Oh, another child. More diapers. And, and so while she's pregnant and going through all of that stuff and, 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 and I'm really enjoying my work and I'm getting really busy with it, we've, we draw apart from each other. So severely that after our child is born, she comes to me and says, I think I'm going to take the kids and go to be with my mom for a while because this is not working very well. And then my boss takes another job and they bring in a new guy who doesn't walk by the same philosophy. And, and we're not copacetic. It's just not happening. And in six months, he fires me. And so now, everything that's on my list that I was loving is just dissolving before me. And so Pam and I understand the reality of the moment, and we begin to pray and say, okay, God, this is not right. This is not what's supposed to be happening. Look what we're losing. And it's not that we're losing. God's saying to us, now watch what you're gaining. Because I'm about to reset your life. So we prayed and said, Lord, what do we do? Show us yourself in this thing. Somebody who was a good, a good friend who didn't understand what we were going through but contacted and said, I've been praying for you and I feel like God wants me to say to you just as an encouragement because I have no idea what's going on in your life and if this is wrong, just ignore it. But I feel like God's saying a season in your life has ended and a new season is beginning and don't become bitter with the tool he's using to make it come about. Reset time. System's gonna change. But if I felt like I was losing so much and I was lost, and then, and then during a, a prayer session in a church, a worship service, much like this, I had a friend come up to me and he said, hey, 
I just had this, this sense that God wants me to say to you that you feel like a little boy lost in the woods, and I had just imaged that in my mind. And God is telling you that you are not lost. You may feel lost, but you're not lost because you're exactly where he wants you right now. I felt like God was saying at that moment, so don't go seeking for the lost job. Don't go seeking for the lost plans. Don't go seeking for the lost moments. But get ready for the reset. In dealing with what could be loss, Paul says this. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I want to stop there and tell you what he's talking about. He's saying, I don't have my list and a religious thing happening so that I feel okay about God, and I've got both of these things, and if I just follow the rules, then he can let me have what I want. He said, I don't go by that. I'm dumping all of that stuff for this reason. I gave up all the inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experiencing his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Paul says, I have come to this place that anything that seems like loss is an opportunity in my life to put Jesus center of my living. It's called resurrection life. It is us saying to Jesus, I want a new system. I want a new system of life where you are the center of it. I like the way it's described by Dallas Willard who says, resurrection life is a relationship with Jesus. Well, let me back up a moment first and just say this. Resurrection life is a relationship with Jesus in the manner that Jesus was in relationship with the Father. So when we talk about relationship with resurrection life, this is a relationship that we have with Jesus that mirrors the way that Jesus and God had their relationship. And then it's explained this way. The union Christ had with the Father was the greatest that we can conceive of in this life, if indeed we can conceive of it. Yet we have no indication that even Jesus was constantly awash with revelations as to what he should do. His union with the Father was so great that he was at all times obedient this obedience was something that rested in his mature will and understanding of his life before God, not on always being told, now do this and now do that, with regard to every detail of his life or work. So let me, let me show you what I think God's telling us through all this and what Paul's saying. See, we have a tendency to say, God, here's, here's my deal, and I'm going to infuse you, Jesus, in all of that stuff. The time comes that God says, no, 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 none of that stuff's going to help you. Here's what you do, and this is what Paul said. I count all of that stuff, dog poop. And instead, what I'm going to now focus on is not that. What I'm going to focus on is Jesus. He's the only credit I got. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to focus so intensely on him that my life will sprout out from there. See, it's not a matter of you having to say, God, okay, all I want is Jesus, so now I'm going to just sit 24 hours a day with my Bible and, and, and sing worship songs and just stay home all the time. No, 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 no. He said, you're going to still live life. But the problem, the difference is now that you're going to start with Jesus. And with Jesus then, as you are in his life, as you are focused on him, there are certain things you say, but I really would like an MBA. And you should begin to work towards it. And if Jesus starts to say, no, 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 MBA is not good for you. I got a much better plan. You're going to know that. 
Or he might just say, MBA, great, great thing. You could, you could really be used in the business community. I'm going to put you there. I want you there. So what we begin to say is, Jesus, I want to do this, or I want Junior as, as, as first chair in the, in the symphony, the, the Junior Symphony, and Jesus, can we work that out? Because I want it for your pleasure, but I think it would be great for Junior, and it would be a great thing. And God says, yeah, go ahead. But all of it is coming out of this relationship with Jesus. He's not one who stands there, and every time you start to say something, he goes, no, no, no. What he's saying to you is, seek me out. So I once called a friend because I was trying to determine where I should go next in my job searches early in my, in my married life. And I called him, and he's, he's just a wise man in relationship with God. And, and I, his name was Tex. And, and I said, Tex, I, I'm trying to determine if I should do this or this or this. And he said, Jack, you love Jesus? Oh, yeah. You've been, you've been talking to him a lot? Yeah, I've been fasting and praying and talking. He said, then I don't think Jesus cares what you do. Because you're going to know. And sometimes it doesn't matter because he'll just say, whatever you do, I'm going to just bless that. I'm going to make that happen for you. I, I read where, where the scripture says, whatever the psalmist David did, King David did, God made it prosper. I'm telling you that as you focus here, and you make that the only credit that you begin with and really the only thing you focus on when you focus on getting to know who Jesus is. Because when the scripture says, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love him is to know him. So that as you know him and you focus in on him, then you start to say, okay, I want to go get that MBA. And, and, I, and, I, and I, want to, I want to move to someplace so much warmer. If God says it's okay, if you're doing it for his favor and, and, and his pleasure, then and you might be able to do that. He may just say, no, 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 I need you in Erie, Pennsylvania to keep Reisner under control so you stay put there. But whatever it is you're, you're hunting for, if you're spending time with him and you're loving him and saying, I'm here for your pleasure, you're going to know what to do. And sometimes he's just going to say, you choose, I'm going to make it happen. Now, for that to really transpire in our lives, we're going to have to change our system because our system right now for most of us in America is, this is all I want to do because culture says I can do this. And oh, by the way, I've got Jesus about five minutes in the morning and maybe one Sunday out of every three or four Sundays, he gets me. You're never going to get this if that's the way we run our lives. So we have to reset that. Our new system makes clear that we need to reset our preset to a Jesus obsession. When that happens, Paul says, you get this thing called resurrection power and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. Here's what you get. We begin to have the ability to reconstruct our dreams and our expectations with resurrection power immersed in God's pleasure. And then in those moments when things don't work out or really think we're disappointed, in those moments, he says, wait, 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 you didn't lose anything. I remember at one moment in my life, I felt like everything had fallen apart and I was in prayer and I had this picture in my mind of all the pieces of my life just laying out there and I felt like God said to me, now let me put these back together the right way. And the other thing I felt too is as I was so sorrowful in here, God said, I feel your pain. I know exactly how you're feeling. And you're not, you're not mourning and grieving alone. I'm with you. The closest I've ever felt with God is not through his blessings, but through 
his comfort when I have been hurting deep inside. And he says, now you understand the fellowship of sharing in my suffering. There's a deeper, deeper intimacy. Because what God's going to do for all of us is he's going to keep working on us till the only credit we have is him. Because you can take all this stuff away, but we still have him. And he's the only one we can have in whom we'll never be disappointed. Because we'll never miss our appointment. So how do we, how do we go after him? Paul then says this. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. Now he changes his metaphor from quick books to races. And to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And so we read that and go, heavenly prize, what is that? It must be heaven and, and, and angels and clouds and, and St. Peter at the gate. No, 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 no. You read the writings of those people in the New Testament, and what they're talking about is being with Jesus. So Peter, James, and John understood this. Jesus said, come walk with me. And so they walk up to the top of a mountain, and then this thing happens. They call it transfiguration, where who Jesus really is starts to shine out. It is so awesome. It is so breathtaking. It is so completely everything inside of them, that, ever, that whatever they wanted in life, they see it there. And Peter says this. Ooh, let's build a place where we can stay right here on this mountain and forget all of this stuff? Because the dude's got family. He's got stuff that he had plans. He's got, he's got a fishing business that he'd left. And what's he going to do with that? He said, I'm going to forget all that if I can just hang out with you right here. Because I am such in awe. This is what I was created to do. So now here is the prize that Paul says I'm going for. The prize is this. Jesus says to Peter and the gang, no, 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 no. We're not going to just stay here so you can see my power, but we're going to go down into a busted up world. And you and me together will be together, not just on this mountain, but right, right down there. We're going to be together, and we're going to watch what my power does from me through you to this world right now. And then the day is going to come that this resurrection power is going to give you a brand new body so that you can hang out with me forever. And every, time, every moment what you're with me, and the book of Revelation says this is going to happen, you're going to look down in, in, in just in reverence to me, and then you're going to look back up, and when you look back up, you're going to see a new facet of me, and you're going to go, oh, awesome, other, holy, oh, I can't look. Look, oh, there, look again. And on and on and on, we are going to be just so wrapped up in his awesomeness that it's going to send us chills and ecstasy that will last forever and ever and ever. And Paul says, I'm going after that right now. I'm not going to be messing with that stuff that's going to disappoint me. I'm going after that right now. So I'm going to reset my life, and I'm going to run for that Jesus right now. It's who I want to see right now. I'm centered all my interests and energies in knowing Jesus right now. Empty of Jesus, all we have will deconstruct. It's the bad cookie. Ignore it. That's how the cookie crumbles. With Jesus, all we have will just remind us of how awesome he is. 
So this is, this is really swimming upstream for us. This is, this is countercultural because our culture says, focus on this, and where's your God if he doesn't want you to have this? And Jesus said, you just seek me and, and my righteousness, which is the right living of being with me, and the stuff that you need, I'll add to that, and you will find that I will guide you to the right people at the right moment, the right income, the right house, the right place, the right spouse, the right, the right everything if you put me there first. So it's time to change our system because remember the system you have now is perfectly designed to achieve the results you're currently getting. So try this. <sighs> Please hear me. Because I see a culture that is just messing us up. If you follow the cycle that God himself instituted when he created, he worked six days, and on the seventh he rested, and it was an honor of him. I think if we're going to really seek him out, one of the things we need to do is we need to follow that cycle. And so somewhere in those seven days, every week, you need to get to corporate worship. You walk through the scriptures and you'll see it in the Old and the New Testaments, corporate worship at least once a week. Otherwise, it's just a religion and it is not an obsession. Secondly, daily choose a Jesus truth and talk to him about it all day. You know, it's more than just, okay, I have my devotions this morning. No, 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 no. You got to be thinking about them all day. So find something every day. Go to the Gospels if you need to and just begin to read there and find one truth about Jesus that's just outstanding to you. And all day long, just try to keep rehearsing that and talk to him about that so that, you're pres that, that he's present with you all day long. You're aware of that? Because this is going to happen. When you're present with him all day long, when you need help at work, you need a creative thought, when, when you need some wisdom on dealing with a very difficult person, when you need something, he's right there to give you that answer or to already have you in place. And you may meet a person and suddenly the Spirit of God says to you, I put that person there because you're going you're gonna to need that person. There's a connection there that, that's going to help you in the future. Thirdly, wherever we are, if we're not in awe of Jesus at that moment, then seek him there. Wherever you are, just say, Jesus, here, here I am. So I think it was yesterday, the day before, I'm driving. It's, it's a, almost, almost dark, but I don't know if you saw it, but there's a rainbow. And I just had this great time saying, God, it's so great because I just remembered your covenant. And your covenant says that your love endures forever. And thank you that you got me covered. So wherever you are, if it's on campus or, or you're, you're, you're down at Presque Isle for, for a day with the family or just whatever you're doing, begin to look for him and be in awe of something that he's doing around you. Parents, sometimes that's just looking at your kids and when you want to kill them, you go, oh, but, but God sent them and look how precious they are. And Thank you, God. And thank you that someday they'll leave. And here's the deal. If you are someplace and you cannot find his awe there, then get yourself out of there because your system is wrong. So it's time to ignore the previous cookie. And let's make Jesus our fortune. Would you stand?
So let me, let me pray a blessing over you. In these hours to come, as you contemplate the words of God that have now been planted in your mind, may you have an openness to the Spirit of God as he reveals to you system changes, resets of your preset. May you begin to grasp the grace, the ability he's given you in your difficult situation, and may you become confident in the fact that there is something good there for you and be content that it is the best and that you have lost nothing. And may you have a hunger for him that will not be quenched. And in the moments when you recognize that your list is empty, I pray that you will have the usage of that, that power that raised Christ from the dead to remove it from your life and begin pursuing Jesus and find the delights he has for you already. I pray that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.